98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Two things real quick before we get into Kyler Murray. Uh, thing number one, congratulations huh. to Merrill Kelly. Got the 200 innings it. pitched. Yep, he did it. Got through it. Is he still out there? Has he been? No, he's not out there anymore. Six innings, four hits, one run, two walks, seven strikeouts. 200 innings. Congratulations. First Diamondbacks pitcher to get to 200 innings since Zach Granke in 2018. Patrick, text them congratulations right now. Patrick Corbin also got to 200 innings in 2018. Last Diamondbacks pitchers to do it. So it's been a minute. Patrick Corbin got to 200 innings in 2018? Yes, he did. He hasn't thrown 200 innings combined <laughs> since then. No, no, yes. I'm looking, I'm looking at the list of guys who have thrown 200 innings for the Diamondbacks. There are some very surprising names on this list. I'm not going to lie to you. Some names I'm like, huh, I didn't know that guy threw 200. Javier Vasquez threw 200 innings, 215 oh, back in God, 2005. I loved him with the, do you remember? I loved I him know, with the Expos. I know. He, threw, he threw 215. Oh. Um, Rodrigo Lopez in 2010 threw 200 innings. Trevor Cahill threw 200 innings in 2012. Oh, my God. I know, right? I'm looking at this list going, seriously? That guy did? That guy did? I was, man, I was such a fan of Javier Vasquez when he was with the Expos. And then he got to Arizona, and he was terrible. He was wasn't good. any good. Yeah, he was not good. He was, he was not, not good. good. And then number two, the other thing I wanted to mention was congratulations to Jay Feely. With the plus or minus three tackles, he nailed how many solo tackles he had in his NFL career. He had 30. 37 in his career. He guesstimated 40, kind of like what Eno Benjamin did. Of course, he didn't do it the same way Eno did. But when he was on with us in the last segment, Gambo, he guesstimated he probably had 40 solo tackles in his NFL career. 37, huh? 37. We looked it up on wow. Pro Football Reference. He, he oh. 37 tackles. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. I just had to ask you about that because of the, the Eno thing, because the Eno thing was great. Eno made, but Eno, you know, Eno, Eno beat half those guys down the field to make that Yeah, tackle. Jay never did that. I mean, Jay, Jay very rarely did that. Eno Benjamin kicked it off and was the first guy down, and he stoned that dude. I mean, absolutely dropped him as he was the first guy to reach him. That was maybe my favorite part of last week. Kyler Murray meeting with the media today, as promised. Um, lots to talk about coming off a win in which he once again rallied the team in the second half. He was asked a question today about chunk plays, and they're not getting enough of them. Do they need to get more of them to get some of their confidence back? Here's what Kyler said. I think. I mean, I think you you love to be able to you know hit some deep shots every every game. You know, but uh, you watch across the league. I mean, sometimes it's not there. You know, you, you got to take what the defense gives you. Um, it's got to be a methodical game. Sometimes you play the Rams. You know. The, they're not giving up deep shot, most deep shots, you know. So you got to drive, drive the ball methodically, slow it down, um, and be willing to take the, you know, take the underneath stuff. So um, it's tough, you know. It's just, it's tough as a young, you know when you're a young quarterback learning that. But uh, you know, being year four, I've kind of dealt with it, and um, you know, I'm kind of used to it. So. Look, Gamble, there have been so many complaints about this Cardinals offense this year, uh-huh. uh, and one of them, I'm not even sure where to rank them, but one of them is just the constant barrage of bubble screens, wide receiver screens, nothing down the field, nothing deep. I'm sure the wide receiver position being banged up the way it is has something to do with it. It has a lot to do with that. But, boy, it does seem like they settle for the short stuff an awful lot so far this year. Yeah, and what, what, what bothers me is that they took a big shot down the field in the end zone. Big play last week. They got a pass interference. Set him up first and goal at the six-yard line. Like, you know. You got to take those shots. Yep. Like you have to. You can't not take those shots. And you know what? If one gets picked, or like, like it, that's the price you pay. But the ability to get fifty yards down the field on one play, like you can't dismiss that. And they they went down the field to Hollywood Brown. 
It was and, and Kyler's an accurate thrower, and Hollywood Brown's a fast guy. I think you got to take those shots. They did it last week. Okay, it didn't result in a completion. It's not going to show on the stat sheet. Murray to Brown for fifty yards, but man, it gave him first and goal in the six because of the pass interference play. And and that is, and I'd forgotten about that. I'm glad you reminded me because that shows the value of pushing the ball down the field like that. Now, I I really believe, and, and I I I hope I'm not wrong about this. I believe. Believe that when DeAndre Hopkins comes back and you see kind of the full complement of what they have from a receiver standpoint and a tight end standpoint, that you'll see some of that come back. I really this week, I know Diop's not coming back this week. Man, I really want to see Rondale Moore in a role beyond just the wide receiver screen, bubble screen stuff. I really want to see I, I was really hoping this year they were gonna push him down the field. I know it was his first game back and he's coming off the hamstring injury, and they probably kind of wanted to take it easy on him. But He's a guy who I really think is miscast as a guy who can just catch balls that are one yard off the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. I think he's capable of so much more, and it can really open this offense up. And maybe they just need D-Hop back to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, because, you know, with D-Hop, you can you can take you feel more comfortable taking those shots with D-Hop because of the size. You know, with Hollywood Brown, you don't have the size, uh, you know, but with D-Hop, you do. So you feel like, okay, I'm not going to have the ball picked off. With Hop, because you know he, he's going to be able to, to go up there and get it or knock it down or something like that. Where Brown is probably more of a chance of it getting picked up. But I mean, if you, you know, but again, Kyler is an accurate deep passer. We yes. talked about this all the time. That's the difference between him and Lamar Jackson on those deep balls. I don't know why they don't take more shots. He was also asked about everybody in the NFC West being two and two, and whether that applies pressure on them to correct their mistakes faster. No, I think the, the division is super competitive. You know, it's. Um I think you, you take pride, you know, in, in playing this division. Um, you see, what, you know, how this division shakes out. It's always, it's always super competitive. You know, super Bowl champs, 49ers were, in, you know, in the game to go to the Super Bowl, playing the Rams. Um, Seahawks have always been good. So, um, no, nah, I mean, if anything, that's just that puts puts more on us. We got to, we got to be better. Um, and I'm excited for it. I'm, you know, I'm super competitive. So to me, it's, you know, it's uh, set up right for us. I, I think in some ways it's just the opposite. Everybody two and two kind of eases the pressure on them a little bit, right? Because there's nobody, nobody's running away with this you're thing. Not chasing anybody. You're right. not chasing anybody. You're not, you're not drastically behind anybody. You're still now. Do I think the Cardinals are going to win this division? No, I don't think you do either. I, I think at this point, I'd be very happy with a wild card spot. But, but certainly it eases some of the pressure on you to feel like, okay, we still have the benefit of time because everybody in our division's two and two. Yeah, I mean, nobody's trying to peak in September. I mean, you you know, you you know, you, you want to make sure you're playing really good football going into the playoffs. That's what the Cardinals were not doing last year, and that's why they they got slaughtered by the Rams in the in that playoff game. They were not playing well. They went to the playoff game and they they got clobbered. So, um, you know, and especially when you're without guys, when you're without key players like a DeAndre Hopkins, and they've been battling injuries all year. Now, I don't know if at any point this season they'll they'll be, you know, they'll be really healthy. I don't know if at any point they'll be, oh my goodness, look at them. They're, they're completely healthy. Um, but they'll get better with just with Hopkins being back. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I think that I think everybody understands like they're they they will be expected to be a much better football team after week six when they get their best player back. Something else to consider. He's going up against another former Oklahoma quarterback this week in Jalen Hurts. He, he was asked about how long he gets bragging rights for being undefeated against Oklahoma quarterbacks. What am I right now for now? <laughs> I mean, Jalen, he spent, he spent, he spent a lot of time at Bama. I mean, I, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. 
Oh, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it right now. You ever ask a question you know the answer to? That yeah. was that was that right there. What am I four and zero? Yeah, you know you're four and zero. <laughs> you probably yeah. ask a question to my wife. I better know the answer, <laughs> or I'm not asking the question. If I don't know the answer, I'm not asking the question. Isn't that the, the old adage they have about lawyers? You never you never ask a question you don't know the answer to if you're a lawyer. Yeah. I, I think that's the phrase. Yeah. How much money did you spend at the Scottsdale Fashion Mall? <laughs> I know the answer, Bernsey. <laughs> How much did those boots cost you? I I, I know the answer. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure. Get you your do. hair done today? How much, I wonder how much that costs. No, I don't. I know. I bet over there at the Gambo House, you get those credit card statements in real time, don't you, brother? I bet you get them in real. You're you're constantly hitting refresh on the credit card. My goodness, app. how much did our son's baseball cost us this month? Yeah. <laughs> Never. You ask took a the question. dog to the bed again. I yeah. wonder how much that cost. No, yeah. I don't. I know. Never ask a question. Yeah, don't, don't ask a question you don't to. know the answer to yeah. when you're married. Kyler when you're married, you better know the answer to the question you're asking. Or when you're a star quarterback, and Kyler Murray knows full well what his record is against Oklahoma quarterbacks that he's faced. <laughs> he knows full. What am I four zero? Yep, you're four zero. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're four zero. Uh, yeah, you're four. Who's the fourth? It's three games against Baker. Who's the other one? Who am I missing? Um, Eric, who am I missing? He played Hurts. Oh, that's right. He played Hurts. That's right. Of course. Of course. Of course. He already beat Hurts. So it is Hurts. It's oh, one. Four. Yeah, one with Jalen Hurts and three with Baker. Okay. Okay. I was I'm like, who the, who's the fourth? Okay, it's him. Yeah, that's right. Well, hmm. Yeah, I mean, he did replace Sam Bradford. Can we count that? <laughs> I don't think he ever played. <laughs> no. no, no, Josh Rosen replaced Sam Bradford. I know, I know. Yeah, was, right. yeah. Bradford was the starting quarterback the year before he got here. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, the Eagles and the Cardinals, in some ways it's similar. In some ways it's very different. Jalen Hurts getting a lot of attention for the start the Eagles are off to. It's unique, and we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports. Station. Burns and Gambo. That's a thick slice of cheese you're cutting in there, Mitch. That's so cheesy. It's a great song. Is it too on the nose or something? No, it's a great song. It's a great song, but in the Jalen Hurts segment, you play Hurts So Good by. Now, at this point, is he John Cougar, John Mellencamp, or John Cougar the Mellencamp? The album cover says Cougar. Just John Cougar? Yes, just John Cougar. I think early he was just John Cougar. All right. <laughs> Don't ever change, bitch. But the YouTube Jack channel and says Diane, John good song. So there's a lot of confusion for yeah. people who are not familiar with the man. Jack, the, uh, off the same album, if I'm not mistaken, Jack and I Diane so, was yeah. off of this album as well. Yeah, so. Hurts so good. Jalen Hurts so good. Um, to <laughs> keep doing you, Mitch. You keep doing you. Uh, unprompted today. Jalen Hurts, during his press conference in Philadelphia, said, Hey, man, nobody asked me about the Cardinals. They're a good football team. I will say this, too. Um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals, for real, this, this game. So I don't want y'all thinking this is this is a really good team we're about to play. They 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 have a really good defense, disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on, on the back end. So um, 
Let's, let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. Everybody on the team today, our team, the Burns and Gambo Show, saw this story today on the ringer.com. So we're all kind of amped up to talk about it a little bit. A story about Jalen Hurts and obviously the Eagles, the 4-0 start, and how much of it depends on Jalen Hurts being so unique because the Eagles' offense around him is so unique. The story makes the point, Gambo, that basically they're running, at least through four games, they're running, in essence, a college offense with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Run-pass option. They're running it like 20% of the time. There's only one other team in the NFL that runs the RPO more than they do. and and Kansas City. The, Kansas City's the only other one, and they do it because their running game isn't very good. The Eagles lean on the RPO, and they do it because it makes for a real simple read for Jalen Hurts. It gives him the option of sticking that ball in there or pulling it out and making the throw. It depends on him running a lot, a lot, a lot compared to other quarterbacks, and that's in part what makes it so dang unique. It's really unlike anything anybody else is running out there. Yeah, the re- the rest of the league runs at about 8.6% of the time. College football, the Power Five conferences, they run at about 21.3%. So, in a nutshell, the, the Eagles are running it at about the same level that a Power Five conference team would run it. But the rest of the league runs it a lot less than that. Yeah, they're running about twice as much as a typical NFL team at about the same amount of time as a Power Five school in college football does. Right? And, they're, and, they're, and as part of that and it was a very long story it was on the ringer there, there's a ton in there to kind of pull apart and look at but probably the thing that stood out the most is how many carries Jalen Hurts is getting because of it through four weeks Jalen Hurts has 53 carries of the football the next closest among quarterbacks is Lamar Jackson at 37 Jalen Hurts right now is on pace for 225 carries as a quarterback which would yeah. beat out the record most ever for a quarterback in a season. That's crazy. Yeah, the, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you look at the run-pass option, then you look at under center when you can put guys, you know, in motion and run play action, right? And they, they like the RPO a lot more than they do under center play action. Um, so that's how the Eagles kind of run things. So um, they, they've had 26 under center rushes called this year. It's the third lowest number. So under center, running the football, that's the third lowest. So they run the ball more out of the run-pass option uh, than they do under center. So, you know, and then you look at, you know, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. I mean, those are the the two teams with the highest rate of quarterbacks in the shotgun. Now, what do both guys have in common? Both quarterbacks are small. Jalen Hurts is about six feet tall. He's not very big. Kyler's small. So two small quarterbacks in the shotgun most of the time. But the RPOs uh, with the Eagles, a very, very high amount of the run pass option rather than being under center, running a play action pass and and, and doing it that way. Because remember, play action, a lot a lot of time with play action, what what I think the Cardinals may not like about it, maybe the Eagles too, is you've got to turn your back to the defense. So you're going to take your because you got to sell that run, right? You got to sell that fake handoff. So a lot of times when you're under center and you know you do some play action, you do some. A lot of times, uh, you know, teams, uh, you know, don't want their quarterbacks to take their eye off of the defense because then they lose sight of what's what's in front of them. Yeah, and that and that makes it a reason why a lot of teams. I mean, so many teams run play action. The Cardinals really don't, but the Cardinals are in shotgun so much. The the question then becomes. 
and this is again kind of another benefit of Jalen Hurts. He's only making one and a half million dollars this year. Now we talked a lot yesterday. If you missed it, the benefit, and we've seen it time and time again. Whether it was the Bengals a year ago or the Cardinals a year ago, the Seahawks when they won the the Super Bowl several years ago, having a quarterback on a rookie level contract allows you to pay everybody else a lot more money. It's what allows the Eagles to go out and get an AJ Brown or Hassan Reddick or something like that in free agency. It also, and this story is very quick to point out, it allows you, if you're the Eagles, to play this style of football that puts Jalen Hurts at a little more risk than maybe a team that's paying their quarterback $40 million to do, right? Because he gets hurt, you're screwed. Now, you're probably screwed anyway if you're the Eagles because so much depends on Jalen Hurts and what he's able to do, but it's not like your salary cap is going to be crippled because your injured quarterback is counting so much against it. By having a quarterback who makes so little, they're kind of allowing this style of play to be used by the Eagles. If he gets a contract worth $40 million a year, like most of the great quarterbacks, it'll be really curious to see if they keep this style of offense because it does put him at so much risk of getting hit all the time. Yeah. Well, they certainly won't be able to keep all the players. Like, no. you, know, you look at, you know, they, they went out and they got Brown. They went out, you know, and they, they've, they've got Goddard, who's a terrific tight end. They got Kelsey. They got Mulata, jo- Johnson. The guys that they've gone out and got, the second they, they pay Hurts, you know, changes everything because that quarterback takes up such a high percentage of his salary cap. Now, as we've always said, man, there are ways around things, if depending on how much cash you want to spend. So that comes down to it, too, the amount of cash you want to spend. But it, it, no matter what, you can't. You know, once you stop paying that quarterback, you do lose the luxury of going out and, you know, getting all these other guys from other teams. You can find ways to keep your own guys a lot easier than you can find ways to go get somebody from another team. Yeah. Jalen Hurts today, when he met with the media, talked about all the respect he has for Kyler Murray. Since I was in high school, I always had a lot of respect for Kyler. You know, Texas is a big, a really big state, um, and it's a football state. So it's, that's, that's what it is. And, um, you know, I, I always, you know, remember him, you know, doing his thing in the DFW at Allen. Um, won a lot. Of, I mean, won every game he played in in high school. You know what I'm saying? That's that's very impressive. And he was able to do great things at OU um, in his collegiate career, winning the Heisman, and um, off to a great start in his career. Now I'm doing great things, so I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in this matchup this weekend, for sure, just because sure. of the, the quarterbacks and the styles and similar offenses, but different offenses. It, it'll look the same with the quarterback being, you know, in the shotgun position, but it, it, they're, they're very, very different. And Jalen Hurts, yeah, puts himself at a lot of risk out there, which is exactly what we've always talked about Kyler trying to avoid, right? Like, you know, be smart about when you're going to run because you don't want to hurt yourself. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think that we went into this season, and I don't think if, any, if if you would have asked most people, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts? I don't think many people would have taken Jalen Hurts, but let's see how this season plays out because he's playing so well. I mean, there's a chance that he could pass Kyler as as one of those young quarterbacks. You say, hey, who who are the top young quarterbacks in the league? The way he's playing right now, he, he could be on pace to passing Kyler in that category. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. It's kind of crazy to ask right now, but we're going to go ahead and ask it in the next segment. Why can't the Suns just re-sign Jay Crowder? Should they? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. And Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports App.
So the Suns are playing their second preseason game of the year tonight, taking on the Lakers up in Vegas. It starts at 7. You'll hear it here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. And, of course, we're waiting on a Jake Crowder trade. Nothing has happened yet. And yesterday, we, we kind of stumbled into this conversation. Gambo just kind of almost innocently asking the question about keeping Jay Crowder. And maybe everybody, much like with Kevin Durant and the Nets, everybody just kind of stands down and decides it's best for all concerned if Jay stays with the Suns as opposed to seeking a trade. And our friends over at Brightside Gambo, Brightside of the Sun, took it one step further in which they, and I believe it was Dave King who wrote it, their, their lead writer over there. They do a nice job. Um, they kind of actively ask the question, man, aren't you, if Jay wants a contract extension, and if you look around at the value of what Jay would get in it, what guys like Jay get in today's NBA, are you better off just giving him a contract extension, making him happy financially so that he's cool with coming off the bench? And I, I got to admit, it's a really interesting thought when it comes to the Suns. Yeah, I mean, I something that we preached, we talked about a couple of days ago. Look, he's 32 years old. I mean, he, he, I mean, P.J. Tucker is what, 37, 38? Yes. Like, there's no reason why... Jake can't continue to be a valuable top seven guy in rotations for the next three years. There's no reason he can't be. Now, his value may dip a little bit, but he, his numbers, you know, are fantastic with what he does defensively. And, you know, the, the metrics when you, you put him guarding somebody against others, there's a lot of good numbers that back up what Jay does. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. We discussed that. I think this is all about money. I think this is all about you're going to send me to the bench. I'm not going to be as effective. I'm going to lose value. Okay, that's that's probably his thought. That's probably his thought. If you did lock him up, and we, and again, we hit on this a couple of days ago. Not we don't know anything. We're just speculating. I, I wonder if you just if you were able to go to him and say, "Look, we'll give you a two year extension at this much money, and you'll come off the bench, but at least you know you're going to get paid." Uh, you know, it, maybe that could mend those fences. Maybe, and 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 we'll get to kind of the part two of that equation here in a minute. But as they pointed out, and I, I had not noticed this, Stephen Adams of the Grizzlies, Larry Nance Jr. of the Pelicans. They both sign two-year extensions that pay them about 11 to $12 million per year. And it's kind of one of those, man, if Steven Adams is worth that, if Larry Nance Jr. is worth that, then you start kind of doing the math and you wonder, is it worth it for the Suns to pay that money to keep Jay Crowder around? He's making about $10 million this year, so it would be a slight raise, to your point, if he's worried that coming off the bench for his final year is going to devalue him in the eyes of the league. A contract extension kind of takes that away. Now, I, I I haven't talked to Jay. You haven't talked to Jay. I don't know how he would react if the Suns kind of reversed course and said, hey, on second thought, we're still going to bring you off the bench. But let's talk a con. If you want a contract extension, let's talk about a contract extension. I don't know if that would guarantee he would want to be back. But as we've said so many times about this bench and how soft it appears to be or how big of a question mark it appears to be is maybe the better way of phrasing it. Knowing that Jay Crowder is going to be one of your top bench players, I think would make everybody feel better about this team and their chances this year, because without him, that bench looks highly suspect for the course of the season. Cam Johnson missed 16 games last year, 16, 
banged his knee against the Knicks. Mitchell Robinson was out for a while, uh, but it missed 16 games. You're big on insurance. You're big on insurance policies. Yes. I mean, how great of an insurance policy would that be if you had Jay Crowder? Okay, Cam Johnson's going to start great, but if he has to miss any extended period of time, you're 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 in a you're you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. You're in a lot of trouble right now. We don't know what they're going to get for Jay Crowder in a trade or what else they may do with their taxpayer non uh, with their taxpayer exception. But we know right now that if if Jay Crowder is not on his team and something happens to Cam Johnson, they're in a boatload of trouble there. A boatload of trouble. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and, and yeah, I am big on insurance. And then what do you do? You start Troy Craig. You know, nothing against Tory. You start Dario. You know, you, you, you start to, you start to take a thin bench and you make them thinner. You'd probably go out and get somebody on a 10 day or a couple of 10 day contracts, but it's not going to be like replacing that player with Jay Crowder. No, I mean, Tory Craig is, you know, he's not a starting player in this league. No. I mean, he's played 300 games. He started like 90. He's not. He's a. He's a nice backup. He's a. He's a. He's a big, he could be a valuable backup for a guy. You know, if you if you look at him and you say, look, I'm going to play you 15 to 20 minutes a game. But if you got to go to him as a starter, you're going to see a lot of his weaknesses exploited, exposed, exposed uh, with his game. So you don't have that guy right now. You you you'd be forced to make a trade, and you'd then you'd be then you'd have to give up some of your first round picks and everything to salvage this season if something happened. So if you had Jay, you know you. You'd You'd be you'd be okay if something happened to Cam. Jay could just start that, you know, and then you'd have a great bench guy in Jay. So I I think it makes sense to keep him. I just you know I don't know how far gone it is between the Suns and Jay Crowder. Look, Kevin Durant looked like he was out of out of Brooklyn and he ends up staying there. So you never know. Right. Uh, I would love to see something worked out because look, to me and you, do we think that they can make a trade where they'll get a better player than Jay Crowder? No, no, we don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. And that and that is problem number one is. Uh, Okay, is would he be agreeable to that? Is that something the Suns would want to do? Is that something that would mend the fence and bring him back? And again, this is pure speculation. Nobody is reporting this might be going on or this could be happening behind the scenes. This is just more of a this is more of a Christmas wish list than anything else, not actual hardcore reporting. Problem number two, and this also came up in the Bright Side article. Who's making that decision? Who's signing off on that? Who's who's in charge of paying Jay Crowder? Another two years and $22 million if that's what it takes to get this done, right? Who's not, not Jeff Bezos yet? Not Jeff Bezos. And, yeah. and, you know, it can't be Robert Server by, you know, by the, the letter of the law. Is it Sam Garvin? Does he have the clearance to do something like that? And that's, this is, I, I'm telling you, yes. we, we talked about this. I mean, I, but does he. Uh, does he want to? Does he right? Does he? He should want to, being the steward of this basketball team. But that's a big expense, right? And the Suns being in this kind of dead zone of leadership right now, of at least ownership right now, there is a legitimate question about how viable the access to funds are going to be when the owner is suspended and the 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 second in command is in charge. How much authority does he have to spend money? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I it's like two people getting a divorce. I mean, you know, you usually don't see one of them go out and buy a boat, you know, before it's done. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. That's usually, I didn't go to, yeah. I, I tried to be a lawyer. I failed. Um, I, it's generally not advisable to go Wait make a sec, large We weren't divorced yet. He just bought a boat. Do I get half of that? <laughs> Wait. He bought that. Is that still community property? Yeah. We were not fully divorced yet. Wait Do I get half of that boat? is dry on the divorce papers before yeah. buying the boat. Just a little yeah. tip from your failed lawyer, Dave Burns. Don't, don't. Usually. 
usually before, yes. Yeah, yeah, usually, usually you don't want to do any big transactions, you know, because it's kind of unfair to the guy coming in. You know, somebody else is going to be owning this team very soon, and they should be able to make those decisions. Um, that's what you would think. Um, but I don't know. I would. I would. There might be some leeway there to you know. Hey, we still own the team, and we, you know we're going to do this and make the team better. And if James signs off on it, and Monty, and everybody's in agreement. I mean, you know, it's not like you're signing somebody to a max contract. But you would think that you want the, the new guy to come in and have to make all those make those decisions. It should be his. Hey, why are you making like if I'm going to buy this? Why are you making those decisions? What if I don't want Jake Drake Crowder? Like I wouldn't have signed off on that, giving that guy thirty million dollars over three years. Like I, you, you almost don't want somebody making those decisions if you're the new guy coming in because you want to have the ability to make them. Yeah, now something tells me if somebody comes in here and is paying $4 billion for the Suns, he's not, he or she is not going to not do it because $30 million was spent on Jay or $100 million was spent on Cam. But when you factor the Cam Johnson extension, and by the way, the deadline for that, according to the story, is October 17th to get a deal done with him. I mean, those are that decision is looming. And to not extend him means you run the risk of of losing him next year, potentially as an unrestricted free agent. So uh, somebody's going to have to make these financial decisions in the interim, and I, and I just hope they've got the financial flexibility to continue to maintain a pretty good basketball team because that's going to require money, perhaps a lot of money when it comes to Cam Johnson over the next yeah. two weeks. I mean, listen, I mean, maybe you go to the NBA and just say, look, how do we handle this? Like, how do you know, you know, how do we handle decisions? Like that, can you know? Can we spend money? Can we do things? I mean, you're you're in the you're, you're transitioning from one owner to a new owner, probably very soon. I mean, you might have to go to the NBA for guidance on on what's proper protocol with yeah. something like this. Fair enough. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, you can look at this next part of the show coming up from two different lenses, looking at it from the perspective of the Cardinals' defense and looking at it from the perspective of Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, because that might not be a real good mix on Sunday. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station, Burns and Gambo. I feel like we've come full circle when it comes to the tight end conversation in the Cardinals. Like, remember a few years ago? Every single week, man, the tight end would just kill him. Kill him. Every yep. week. To the point where we'd, like, look ahead and go, uh-oh, they're playing that guy in week right. nine. Uh-oh, they're playing that guy in week 12. Look out. Here they come. It feels like in some ways we've come a little full circle on that in that once again we're in this position of having to fear the tight ends. And, and as we welcome you back to Burns and Gambo. We had Jay Feely on the show earlier, former Cardinals kicker. He called the game between the Eagles and the Jags on CBS over the weekend. And he even pointed it out, Gambo, in our conversation with us. He said out, outside potentially of Travis Kelsey, he thinks – Dallas Goddard might be the best tight end in the NFL. Now, George Kittle says hold my beer, but there are there are a few guys out there that are in that conversation. And one thing that sets Goddard apart above the rest, the yards after the catch. He's extraordinary at getting yards after the in the ways that tight ends typically are not in this league. Yeah, and it's been a problem for the Cardinals. That's why they got rid of uh, Zach Ertz, you know, because they had, they had Dallas Goddard. They didn't, they didn't need to pay Ertz that type of money, so they were able to trade Zach Ertz because of, of Dallas. But I went back and I looked, you know, when you pointed this out that you know here comes you know a really great tight end. I took a look at the four games that they've played 
so far. And they've, they've had struggles with tight ends. Kelsey had eight catches for 121 yards and a touchdown against them. Waller had six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Higby had four catches for 61 yards. And in Carolina's tight end, Tremble only had three for 34. But still, I mean, you, you 21 catches, 266 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. So you break it out. They've, they have had their struggles with tight ends so far this year. Really, Kelsey, Waller, and Higby you know, had good games against them, Kelsey and, and Waller especially. So it, it is something that is still a work in progress for Arizona. And now you're getting a guy that's on par with Kelsey, um, and you got him this week, and that's a tough chore for anybody, and that's going to be tough for Vance to try to figure out how to stop him. He's already got six catches, Goddard does, already has six catches this year of 20 yards or more this season. He's actually number one on the Eagles roster in that category, which is a surprise when you consider that Devontae Smith and 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 AJ Brown are on that roster that that Goddard has more catches of 20 yards or more than they do. He's actually third in the NFL in catches of 20 yards or more. The only guys ahead of him are Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. And, and again, the reason why is what they call the yak, the yards after catch. He is number 1 in the NFL in the number of yards he gains on average after he catches the ball. And he's the only tight end in the top 15 in that category in the entire NFL. The next guy, the next tight end on that list is TJ Hawkinson of Detroit who's 16th. Um, Tyler Higby is on that list. He's 31st in the NFL in yards after the catch. But he's he's on a list with guys like DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, Rashad Bateman, Eno Benjamin is on the top 10 list of yards after the catch. It's it's so rare for tight end and you said it a second ago and it's absolutely the truth. It's it's why they could play hardball with Zach Ertz a couple of years ago. It's why they didn't give him a contract. It's why they traded him when the Cardinals had their injury to Max Williams. They looked at Goddard and said he's, and it's to me, it speaks to this bigger issue of the Eagles. Like, you start talking about everything that makes them good, and you almost run out of breath, right? You almost run out of things to say about how good they are, because it's it's everything about this team. I mean, Dallas Goddard is, is the best in the NFL in yards after the catch on a team that's got Hassan Reddick and Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That offensive line, who would have thought that would have to be something you'd have to worry about as well, playing them? I, I don't even know like where you start. I mean, I think you always start with trying to stop the run with Sanders, but you know, then you've you've got the run pass option. They do it more than anybody else except Kansas City. You know, Fields is a nightmare. It's like you, you can't not have somebody spying on Fields because of what he does. And then you've got to worry about Goddard, but then you know, you're looking at Brown and what, what he's done. He's had a great year, and then Smith could be on big plays. There's just you know, you, you just wonder, where, where do you, you can't take away everything, no. but Vance Joseph has been great at identifying some of the best things that teams do. Like, if you look at what he did, he took away Cooper Cup against the Rams. He did. He took him away. He took away Devontae Adam against the Raiders. He took him away. So, you're not going to stop everything, especially when you're playing a good team as balanced as this, but you try to say, okay, what's the one thing we feel like we could take away that will hurt them the most? you got to identify that. The, the, question, the question is, what is that? Is it Goddard? Yeah. Is it Sanders? Yeah. Is it Brown? Is is it hurts? Do you want to try to keep him in the pocket? Like, what is your best option if you could focus on one thing to take away from them 
what is it? I don't I don't know if I have the answer to that. No, I don't know if I have the answer to it either. And like we said earlier in the week, credit to Vance Joseph, the last 10, 10 and a half, if you want to count overtime against the Raiders, the last 10 and a half quarters they've played, he's had that defense humming at a high level. Now, if you want to say last week was because they were playing Baker Mayfield, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't object to that too strongly because that team looks like they're pretty lost offensively. But but the last 10 and a half quarters, this team has gotten it done. You're absolutely right. We sit here and talk about the reasons why the Eagles could win this game. You could talk about just about every element of their football team as being really good. The defense, the way they pressure the quarterback, the way they force turnovers, the offensive line, the way they don't allow any pressures, their running game doing what it does, the wide receiver position and how stacked they are. Goddard, I mean, you just go on down the list and you can see, you can quickly see why on Monday, Gambo, you said, I'd be willing to bet the Cardinals win on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, you quickly changed your mind and said, yeah, on second thought, I don't think the Cardinals are going to win this football game. Yeah, you do more of a deep dive, and you just say, like, well, what the hell's the weakness? I mean, they run the ball as good as anybody. Uh, A.J. Brown's done some stuff that nobody else has done with five catches for 65 yards in every game. Nobody else has that. Um their offensive line, you know, three different guys don't let allow any any pressure at all. Like their offensive line is great. Their defense has been fantastic. The takeaways, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, that's a big part of what they do. Like this, man, there is not a weakness. So if I'm Vance Joseph, I'm just sitting there. What do I want to take away? What do I what do I want to focus on? What 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 do I think would hurt them the most if you took it away from them? Is it Sanders? Is it is it Goddard? Is it Brown? Is it is it is is it Hurts? Is just there's just so many weapons that they have that that's going to be the tough choice for for Vance is just trying to figure out what you know what what do I what do I work on what do yeah. I try to el- eliminate from them we've got the Burns and Gambo show podcast it works just like all of your favorite podcasts you like listening to subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android and you're not going to miss any of our shows the Burns and Gambo show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley get a higher price selling your home get guaranteed offers go to higherprice.com that's higher Price.com. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, injuries for the Arizona Cardinals making a major impact on their game plan this week. We'll get you caught up on the latest, plus the news on the future of a former Cardinals wide receiver is all next on the Burns and Gambo show.